So he writes about how when they first came to the, the island of Aruba, which is now Aruba, they saw these giant footprints in the sand and they began to follow the footprints and it led them to a village of giants. They saw two giant women, appeared to be like a mother and a grandmother, and then two teenage girls. And uh, Vespucci speaks of the giants saying that if they were kneeling, they would still be taller than the men standing. They were kneeling, they would still be taller than the men standing. Two giant skulls which were found by a, a Dutchman who uncovered them after hearing about the islands being called the islands of the giants. He got them in 1970, he built a museum for them in Curacao, put them in the museum. There are newspaper articles written up until the 1980s of these bones and then of course when I called, the, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have to finish the story, when I called the museum and asked where are the skulls, again the skulls are missing. Hey, welcome back to Blurry Creatures. This week we have Heather Arnold, researcher, explorer, museum curator, on the show talking about her findings about giants in the islands near Aruba. If you want to become a member of the show, sponsor the show, help us make more content, go to blurrycreatures.com slash members. We got a members chat coming up June 30th, and we get to chat with all the members. We also got exclusive channels. You guys have been awesome. We had a bunch of people sign up this weekend. Thank you so much. This is what we do. I've, as you can hear, we produce these shows a lot. And everyone helping makes it all happen. So, blurrycreatures.com slash members. Send us a message. Blurrycreaturespodcast at gmail.com. At blurrycreatures on social media. Subscribe, like, and we're building our YouTube. So go to youtube.com slash blurrycreatures. We'll see you out there. Thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast. You're the best. The history of our Earth is so different from what we can imagine. Enjoy the journey. The Smithsonian, that if they found out about a large skeleton somewhere, was to go get it. I'm going to assume at least one person is right, because if one person's right, it busts the paradigm. It all goes back to the fallen chair. And the problem with the modern-day church, they have a very truncated view of the supernatural. This backdrop that's just pregnant with all kinds of meaning associated with this Mount Hermon event. And this guy defects from the kingdom. That's a big deal. (laughs) 
Welcome to our show. We're called Blurry Creatures. I don't know how much you know about what we do, but we talk about all kinds of creatures, and the Giants is one of those creatures, and we get into it on our show. Good. Favorite topic. Your favorite topic. Oh, it's, it's one of ours, too. Yeah, yeah. us, too. Yeah. <laughs> Good. You're a researcher and author, and you wrote a book called The Island of Giants. And Luke, say those islands for me, because I say it wrong. Yeah, it's Aruba, Bonaire, and... Curacao, which of course is where the orange Curacao comes from. I only know yeah. that from because I bartended for six years. <laughs> so you know, yeah. Nate was. We were talking beforehand. Heather and Nate goes, yeah, Carac Caraco. Yeah, people. They has that little that little symbol under the sea to make it soft. So, but a lot of people forget it. So then that's why people mispronounce it often. And uh, and it's not a lot of people have been there. I don't think. Yeah. In general, especially Americans. Yeah, I thought I got out of that one, but Luke threw me under the bus. So here we go. I should have just let you go. Sometimes I just want to let I want to hear Nate just butcher either be names yeah. or or terms. Well, welcome to the show, Heather. We uh we have like kind of a tradition on our show. We get into it. We ask people, everyone. There's no wrong answer. There's no right answer either. That's the problem. What are your thoughts on Bigfoot? What do you think about Bigfoot? That's the creature we kick off the conversation, and then we can go from there. If you have no thoughts, that's fine too. We just. That's how we get blurry. That's correct. It's a gateway drug, Heather. Well, my daughter is a budding Bigfoot researcher. I've been on many Bigfoot expeditions with my daughter looking for Bigfoot poop and other <laughs> hair. And that we go upstate in the Catskills. We look for broken twigs. We take notes. And so um, she has many books that you know talk about Bigfoot, how to search for Bigfoot, where you could find Bigfoot. Bigfoot is fascinating. I really hope some day that we could find bones and evidence and something really solid. I've held an original cast from Sir Edmund Hillary's expedition on Himalayas. The actual photos of that expedition just were recently about, I guess it was in 2019, they sold and auctioned the uh, original photos of those Bigfoot tracks in the snow. And one of them, they made casts of those Bigfoot tracks, and I got to hold one of those casts oh, um, two really? summers ago. So, is, that, is that the photos with like, they're in the snow and they're black and white? And it looks, yes. like, the, looks like the big toes like all the way to the right? Yes, very, very strange. Yes, the actual the foot is so strange. It's, it's so different, but it makes sense anatomically, because if it's supporting an enormous weight, the way that the toes are aligned and the, the feet are, it actually makes a lot of sense. And you can see where the toes are curled. It was it, it's very intriguing. Yes. Yeah, so I think Bigfoot is amazing. And I would love to I always say I would love to see Bigfoot. But after I held the foot that that's the uh, cast of the footprint. Uh, I mean, you realize these are enormous. I mean, just enormous. So I don't know if I still want to bump into them. I don't <laughs> mind seeing them from afar. I've watched a lot of you know YouTube videos. A lot of them are I'm I'm positive are probably fake, but there are some where you have to say, "Wow, that's very odd." I love the title of your podcast. I think it summarizes Bigfoot quite well, mm. and um, it's always blurry. And yeah, I, I think it's fascinating and I'm, mm. I'd love to meet him from afar someday. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good answer. Cause I think that's how I feel too. I don't want to get too close to that guy. Dude, we don't yeah. talk about the big toe, Bigfoot. We haven't really got into him yet. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't talked about the Yeti. We need to do a Yeti special. 
I mean that that guy. Can you imagine if you showed up in the, at the pool with a, with that big of a toe? I mean, <laughs> cover that thing up. Speaking of big feet that support a lot of weight, that's what a lot of people. They, that's their first argument. You know, when you hear about giants, like there's no way that these creatures could exist. There's no way biologically that the weight could be supported on these frames. And you're like, that is the dumbest argument I think I've ever heard. What what got you into the study of giants and what led you to go down these trails and obviously become an author and write a book about it? Love to just hear a little bit about your, about your story. Yes, yeah, sure. I um, Well, I moved to Aruba in 2006 and I had a tour company that I was running and my goal was to have historically accurate tours. So I went on this quest to find the true history of Aruba and Bonaire and Curaçao. The three islands, by the way, were one island at one time, but through a series of mega tsunamis, they became three separate islands. So I was doing research and going on tours with other tour operators and kind of getting this hodgepodge of history and none of it really made sense. So I began to delve further and I found out that on the first map of the new world called the Mapus Mundi that was drafted in 1502 AD uh, by Juan de la Cosa, that the islands of Aruba and Curaçao are noted on the map and they are their latitude and longitude is almost perfect, which is actually quite intriguing. And the islands were not known as Aruba and Bonaire and Curaçao. They were known as the islands of the giants and they are indicated as such on the map. So then I went into a deep dive. Well, how did this come about? And it came about in um, 1499 when Vespucci actually stole Christopher for Columbus's contract to explore the new world, which is a whole other story, uh, which is also quite interesting. And so, but Christopher Columbus had seen the islands and had heard about the islands from the mainland inhabitants of what is now Venezuela. So from Venezuela, you can see Aruba and from Aruba, you can see Venezuela. It's only about 16 miles away. Mm-hmm. So when Columbus went back to Europe, he said right away, we have to go to these islands because it's my belief that he was told, and I don't know this for certain, but it would make sense that he was told about the gold that is on the island of Aruba, particularly. Mm-hmm. Now, Aruba still has a lot of that gold in its ground, interestingly. So when Vespucci came, that was, was one of his main goals was to go to these islands. And he did. And he writes in his first documented letters once he returned about the interaction he had with the giants in Aruba. And he was very specific. And what people don't understand is when these um, explorers first came to the islands and and were exploring in in South America, etc., they were brought with them people who were considered experts. People were biologists and experts in flora and fauna and and pharmacists and doctors uh, because they were really documenting what was going on. It wasn't just, you know, to get gold and all these treasures, which of course they did, but it was also to really document the different people they were coming across. So he writes about how when they first came to the the island of Aruba, which is now Aruba, they saw these giant footprints in the sand. And they began to follow the footprints and it led them to a village of giants. They saw two giant women, um, appeared to be like a mother and a grandmother, and then two teenage girls. And uh, Vespucci speaks of the giants saying that if they were kneeling, they would still be taller than the men standing. 
which is quite interesting. And so he goes about talking about the interaction he's having. They're trying to communicate. The the women are trying to offer them food and brackish water, which would make sense because Aruba is a desert island. So water isn't very easy to find, particularly non-brackish water. So they were surviving off of brackish water, which is quite interesting. And he goes into this uh, a series of communication breakdowns that they start to have which makes the men really be tense. And then they devise a plan that they're going to steal these two teenage girls and bring them back to Europe. So they begin to formulate this plan. They're about to take these girls. And then these men, 36 men with enormous weaponry, weaponry that they're not even, they've never seen before. They don't know, they know it's a weapon, but they don't know how it would be used. Enormous. They didn't even think they could lift up the weapons that they had. And the 36 men came in and then there began to be an argument. So the men, Vespucci and his team decided to abort mission and quickly head back to the boat. So the entire time they're trekking back to the boat over the beach and into the boat, the giants are following right behind them the entire time the, to the point where the giants even go into the water. And these are all Vespucci's words that I'm just paraphrasing. And the giants are walking into the water and shooting bows and ar- uh, arrows from bows at the men. And the men get on the ship and they were so scared and afraid the giants were going to come to the ship that they had to set off a cannon to scare them, which which was successful. And so Vespucci writes that he thought he would die that day. So of all the things that Vespucci had seen and done, even interacting with cannibals and people who were shrinking heads, he was most traumatized by the events that occurred um, on Aruba. So that from that moment forward, I began to delve into the scientific record. And so all of my work and all of my research is based off of the scientific record. So the archaeologists talk about finding bones that are of large stature people. They're anatomically different. They are also have elongated skulls, which is quite mm-hmm. interesting. And so uh, a lot of the these measurements of the skulls, et cetera, from one archaeologist to another are changed, are altered to suit the, the narration, the agenda of the particular archaeologist. And you can see this in real time in these studies. But I've poured through almost, um, it's got to be close to 200 studies of these bones that have been found. And I've actually even seen a giant skeleton that's currently on display, hopefully still on display in Bonaire. And there are two giant skulls that I'm trying to repay back to Aruba. So there is evidence, there is archaeological evidence. You know, my work is has been entered into the National Archives of Aruba. So it's something that's been recognized as as valid. And my research has also been printed in other historian and archaeologist books as well on the subjects of Aruba and its ancient history. Wow, what an intro. What an intro, Luke. Just hit that one out of out of the park there. Heather, so wait, you said I don't even saw, be break so that let's down. start with the giant skeleton you saw on Bonaire. Is yeah. it how how big was this thing? Well, so the giants were this one they estimate to be over eight feet tall. And they and, and interestingly it was about 40, 43 years old. They believe it to be a male, but they're not quite sure. The head was very elongated. This uh, I have photos of it on my Facebook page. The eye sockets are 
completely much larger than what a normal modern skull would be. And this skeleton is about almost like 800, 800, a little over 800 years old. Because these these giants, although I believe they have gone back at least 7,000 years, I, I actually think even longer, but scientific evidence shows currently at least 7,000 years that these giants were around for a while and were, then began to interact with the modern Europeans, you know, modern being, you know, 1500s, and eventually didn't just die out. They actually just mated with average statured humans and then became a, a blend then. The, they, the giants just disappeared essentially, but live on genetically. And so they were about eight feet tall, but they, some archaeologists you know, because de when you try to determine the the um, height of skeletal remains, it's all it's a mathematical equation. They don't actually go and, and measure. You can't because the bones shrink. So based off of the size of the bones as they were, the age of the bones, the amount of time it would take to shrink and how much of shrinkage there would occur of the bones, they determined at least eight feet tall, but probably taller. So that is just one of the skeletal remains. Now, another bit of uh, skeletal remains that, that this skull, I don't know where this skull is. No one knows. Now, that one was probably much bigger. The skull itself was almost two feet long. Wow. So it was a much larger human. We haven't talked about these islands specifically. So you kind of, you move there and then you just, you kind of get into the, the history of the island and you're like, wait, no one's talking about these giants. And you just get fascinated by it and you're just documenting more and more and more about the giants. Why do you think people don't recognize this history that's, I mean, they were here in America building things, let alone on remote parts of the island. Why do you think people don't want to talk about the giants? You know, in Aruba, the history that the children are taught and the people are taught and in, in, in Bonaire and Curacao that was that the islands were called the useless islands, that they were basically just there to have their the Europeans livestock graze and not, you know, not there was nothing of, of grandeur of the of the islands, about the islands, which I knew was inaccurate at its core because islands with gold are not useless. Mm. So mm. I have two theories, you know, colonialism, you know, keeping the people down in a way not letting them know the true rich history of their ancient ancestors. And it could also be have been a subterfuge to make people just kind of dismiss the islands so that they wouldn't realize there was so much gold on the islands and then their booty would be you know, stolen and or mm. someone else would stake a claim. I think it's one of those two. Now, I work with the archaeologists in the archaeology museum who give me studies, who document my work, who fully believe there were giants on the island. And because of their professions and their quote unquote credibility, they choose not to discuss the giants, which is, you know, something you hear over and over again that, the, you know, these academics are handcuffed and cannot speak the truth of what's really going on and instead tell to speak on a narrative rather than in the reality, which I think is so sad because if, you know, children were going to school and the teacher said, okay, tomorrow class, we're going to learn about the giants, you know, the, I mean, how engaging it would, <laughs> would that be? And 
exciting yeah. for children. And I don't understand why, but I feel the tide is turning. I think the evidence is just so um, overwhelming and not just here in, uh, in the Caribbean, but globally, there is this story of the giants. I mean, the giants were documented all over. And as you said, here in the United States, extensively here in the United States, particularly as it is the case around the mounds, the various mm -hmm. mounds here in this the country. Ohio Valley, yeah. Heather, I have a, I have a question. So we, we talked to Brian Forrester about Paracas skulls in, in Peru. Also, Timothy Alberino was there and, and documented those. And I think it's fascinating that there's this straight line you can draw to elongated skulls in, you know, on these was a singular island, as you said, but now these these three islands. When you do this research, are you able to connect these two? Because I know when they did the DNA testing on the Paraca schools, they traced them back to like the to the Black Sea, like Ural Mountains area, you know, in you know Russia, Europe, whatever whatever the uh, the mix of those. You say Eurasia, or it's probably what the right term. But were you able to draw a connection there between these two elongated skull? populations or tribes or however that however that may be connected absolutely so i've seen the paracas skulls um and they're quite interesting the fact that they're human is just they're just bizarre it's simply bizarre yeah. but speaking with the archaeologists who did extensive he couldn't really do dna testing but they definitely did some analysis of the facial structures, etc. It was determined that these giants were Caucasian and that they probably had light skin and light eyes. It, the head of archaeology believes that they could have even been Egyptian, which is a theory that I have not sussed out yet, but it's quite an interesting theory. And there could be a connection with the Paracas skulls. You know, it is interesting, the, the elongation of the skulls in Aruba there, as, as opposed to the Paracas skulls, the Paracas skulls go up. I mean, truly, they're like a cone head. And I'm right. sure you've seen pictures of them, of course. Mm -hmm. The Aruban uh, elongated and the the Bonaire and Curacao, those skulls go up and then back. So the, the weight of their elongation is in the back of their head, which is why their neck is connected to the skull in a different position than ours would be. And this is to accommodate the brain case and the weight of the brain in the skull. So, and also the ears are positioned differently and the jaws are positioned differently. So this is something that you also see with the Paracas skulls. I think there is a connection, quite frankly, between these all these giants. And I think they probably were one group of people who dispersed and then kind of started mingling with the local populations of average statured people and, and then kind of, you know, created maybe these subsets of giants. That's, that's my theory of the case. But yes, there is scientific evidence that they were Caucasian, which would may, maybe make them from the same area as the Paracas. Like red hair, yeah. right? Yeah. I like that, Heather, though, when you're describing that, the way the skull is shaped, because that's one of the first, we talked about that right in the beginning of the top of the hour, how a lot of people theorize that there's no way giants could exist because their bodies couldn't support that kind of massive weight. But here you are describing the way that the neck connects to the skull and then it bends backwards. I mean, you have proof that that's not the case. These things could get 
big? I mean, how big do you think the giants were on those islands? So in one of the archaeological reports regarding the bone structure, so the bones of the giants were much thicker and stronger than the bones, than our bones, for example, or than any contemporaneous skeletal remains found at that time. These bones, in fact, were so thick that when the archaeologists tried to cut off a bone sample from a femur, they couldn't use an, a regular human cadaver saw. They had to invent their own type of saw to get through the bone in a meticulous fashion. It was so thick and hard. Also, their teeth were so much stronger. They were bigger and, and stronger. And a lot of the skulls were found with full sets of teeth, which is quite interesting. It's believed that these, these giants in particular were at least eight feet tall, maybe tall. And what's interesting about the Giants is they weren't like skinny NBA players. I mean, they were huge. They were they were wide. They weren't just tall. They were very, very wide mm. and just enormous people. They must have been quite intimidating. As a matter of fact, the mainland population, when conversing with Vespucci about the islands of the Giants, told them that the people were the Giants were peaceful unless they were provoked and then they would fight back and then uh, you would always retreat because you were just you would they were too intimidated by the giants so yeah, this boys. was interesting that they took these took over these islands and were able to easily in a sense protect them because of their enormous size and it was also say, stated Interestingly enough, which is an interesting connection in a sense to Egypt, which I always think about, in one of the documented reports, it is said that the mainland South Americans said that the giants of Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao were highly intelligent and worshipped the sun, which is, um, I don't, oh. I, there are many sun petroglyphs on the islands. I don't know if that's the case. I know they have a lot of cupules. It was a matriarchal society. They definitely had sacred thoughts towards the female in the form of the divine feminine, particularly as a pregnant female. They were very involved with glorifying pregnant females, which is also something I've seen on Easter Island and I've mm. seen actually it's a global phenomenon, India as well. So yeah, I think they were, you know, rather, rather tall and rather formidable. And I think that's why they lived on for quite some time. I think one of the caves in Aruba, um, I believe, is a birthing cave. And in that cave is a petroglyph of a female with a baby in her stomach. And on the wall of the cave are dots. And I know that in other cultures, ancient cultures contemporaneous to the giants, that they would use um, dots to denote births. So if you look at the dots, you'll see that there weren't a lot of births. I mean, if these Indian, at least in these Indian, these giants were having babies with elongated skulls, you know, maybe there was difficult births and not, there weren't a lot of births. The giants of, of the islands were also the elite ruling class. And we know this from their burials. So I think uh, eventually, you know, they just couldn't sustain themselves any further. And that's why I think they eventually just sputtered out or actually what really happened is they mated with the average statured people and continued on. Mm. But I still, I just got the other day, I just got a, a message from a Nerubin. I constantly get these messages. My, I had a great 
uncle. He was, uh, we always called him giant. We ha I had an aunt. She was a giant. We always had, so I, I'm hearing, I, because I, I like to incorporate the local uh, stories and, and the history that the people tell me of their families. And they are always telling me stories of people in their families that they felt were giants. They referred to them as giants. They talked about how big their hands were. One of my friends, his her uncle was recruited to be a boxer in South America, but he ended up killing someone in the ring. So they had to stop because he was so powerful. So these giants were, you know, at least eight feet tall, if not taller. And those are words of an archaeologist in a study. And they were enormous people. They weren't skinny. Mm, Rocky could have taken him. I think so. Rocky, little guy. They would just beat Rocky. He would keep, keep, keep getting back up. So what do, you, what do, you, do you think that's probably why some of these dynasties you see around the world were just like abandoned, you know, and like historians, you grow up, you heard the, the modern history and they tell you the you know traditional narrative is like, well, there's these dynasties that look like immaculate and then they're just like abandoned. Somebody just left them there and it makes you scratch your head of like, who would go through the, all the work to build this kind of dynasty and then just leave it there? What do you think happened? Do you think that? The giants died. Yeah, out. yeah. I think that also with Easter Island too. It was just same type of strange circumstances. You know, they're almost gone without a trace. And Chaco Canyon is another right. very yeah, strange Chaco Canyon. Place yeah, that's been buried. I mean, I've been there many times. It's very odd. I think you know. I think for in terms of the giants, it could have been a lot of different things. I think they were maybe under threat. I think they could have left the island. Yeah. I and I think they also now the giants and on the islands also erected huge megaliths mm. and monoliths. So they were, I mean, enormous stones perched on top of smaller stones. Some of them have celestial alignments. Some of them are pointing in the direction of, say, a burial or a cave or maybe a water source. I mean, enormous stones. So you have to think, you know, how did, I mean, even if these giants were enormous people, how could they get these megaton yeah. boulders perched on top of other stones, pointing in a certain direction, sometimes aligning with the solstice or the equinox? So maybe there was some sort of advanced I, I, ancient technology that they were also hiding and wanted to keep from anyone else. And that's, you know, and Gobekli Tepe, I often think that that's another place where they're just trying to hide this information so that no one could misuse it at a later time. So I think that a lot of it has to do maybe with being under threat and then realizing that their secrets could get out and then just hiding their secrets. That's that's what I think, because you see it happening, not just in one place on the planet, right. you see it repeated continually. So outside of those those things, like when it comes to the megaliths or some of the maybe the, the the petroglyphs or the stuff left behind, what do you think is what are some of the more compelling? Is it like the stone circle stuff that's most compelling to you to say this is this was a you know a almost a golden age civilization that was doing the same things we see stone circles and Stonehenge or you said Gebekli Tepe or in in these places because I think it's always fascinating because those the megalithic you know, monuments and these huge stones, whether it be Easter Island or in Peru with the, with the mortarless walls or, or in Egypt, they all really coincide or, or cross into the, to the narrative of the giants. And it's like, if you find one, you find it's like smoke and fire, you find one, you find the other. So are there, any, are there some specifics like on either, you know, on, on Bonaire or Carousel or Aruba where you're like, that's, 
we're looking at like that's a giant that's a that's that's the tribal giant gi- tribal giant structure or or, or the like or or you know, petroglyph i think you mentioned the petroglyph in the cave a birthing cave there's some other ones that, that, that you could share with us about that, that just point point toward well, this toward this record so just recently i is when i started noticing these balanced stones in aruba mm-hmm. Because they're really hidden in plain sight. So there are two at this place called Io Rock Formation, which is a designated place. It's actually called Io Rock Formation. The archaeologists say they don't know how it got there. And they they refer to it in travel books as a giant's playground, which is quite interesting. And there are two giant megalithic balanced stones. One has an equinox alignment. And so then I... So I, I noted them on, on Google Earth. And then as I put them up on social media, then I got an influx of people in Aruba. Most of the megalithic sites are on Aruba. Curacao Bonaire had a lot of destruction because they're more fertile than Aruba, which is truly a desert island. So Bonaire and Curacao were used for farming. There was um, an active um, slave population on those islands. So this was, they were really more fruitful and, and the land was worked. And I think a lot of the archaeology and these um, megaliths were destroyed, buried. Yeah. But in Aruba, they're there. So I got this influx of people saying, I have this stone on my property. And here I saw this stone when I was hiking. So I began to map the stones. And I'm up to 11 or 13, I have to count. And what I'm finding is something quite intriguing. They're following a pattern. And the pattern marks the same pattern as the petroglyphs and the burials. So the pattern is the island is goes from north west to southeast. It's kind of crooked in that way. And the petroglyphs the balanced rocks all follow a northwest to southeast line, diagonal lines that intersect the island. So along the lines of the balanced stones are petroglyph panels. Mm-hmm. And they go continually at least six times, these six slices, shall we say, of the island going in these parallel diagonal lines. Burials were also done in in that same position of the head and the feet going in that direction. And also what the giants loved were isosceles triangles. They were fascinated with isosceles triangles. And what I did was map the Io rock formation and the cave system, which, which has the birthing cave, which is, I believe, the most sacred cave on the island. It has the oldest remains of giants that were found in those caves. And another spot called Casabari Rock Formation, which I believe was worked stoned. It was, I believe the stones were there, but then they were placed on top of one another to make a kind of mound that mirrors an, a, a volcano that is on the island. And so if you map that, it is a perfect isosceles triangle. The instances of occurring uh, by chance is 0.0001%. So if that's the case, then they were really on a level that I, I don't think in our lifetime we can ever tap into. I mean, they're beyond anything. I mean, to, to be able to figure this out 
at a, at 7,000 years ago and, and then see it from the sky. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's what's most intriguing. And, and clearly it was man-made. There's no other way to explain how is it possible that this rock formation is here, a rock formation is here. And then this sacred cave site where there was a most intriguing burial found where there was a giant skeleton in the center of the burial and then these uh, average a couple more giants and then average statured humans were like spokes on a wheel coming out from that main giant and those giants have all been excavated and sadly their bones are believe it or not missing Mm. (laughs) so we don't know where the bones are where are the bones? It's, it's a familiar story on our show. Luke and I always joke that every time he posts an article about giants getting dug up, people just lose their minds. They go crazy like, that's a hoax. I can't believe these guys. And it's I don't understand how people can't just scratch their head and go, okay, some of these have to be real. You know, Some of these accounts have to be real. And you're having local people tell you, and it sounds like to me, Heather, as we do our show, remote parts of the world, different places, people are more open to talking about these things. But in America, it's super hush hush. Let's keep it quiet. Let's not talk about it. But like the locals in some places, like they they have stories of these these things. And and on our show, we've even heard people still see them to this day in weird places. Do you ever hear modern day sightings? Do you ever get into that? I'm sure you you probably heard just about everything at this point. Yeah, not in Aruba, but the Solomon Islands, which I find are the weirdest, you know, those, I mean, the fact that there was this woman who was half giant and half human, she was kidnapped as a baby, and she recently died like a couple of years ago, like, I mean, I'm dying to go to the Solomon Islands, and that, <laughs> that those, I, that particular island where they say the giants still exist, they won't even go there, I mean, I, it's like part, I, I think it's a mountain range, and they, and people won't even go, it's completely off limits, I actually don't even know anyone who's even been there. I've never read accounts of anyone who has been there. So, I mean, and they talk about it. It's like, don't go over there, you know, and there are stories of these giants kidnapping these human children and then raising them as their own. And then, and then they have children who are half giants, half human, and they're very interesting looking. And it's just that in that case, yeah, the Solomon Islands, the giants are still alive and well, and the people are still talking about them and fearing them. Mm. Um, But in um, uh, the islands of Aruba, Bonaire and Curacao, we don't hear about the sightings of them anymore. But you do always hear about people saying that they knew someone in their family many years ago, who was a giant. And I mean, which is interesting, because I've not heard that from other people. You know, I I have my family, my family say, Oh, I remember Uncle so and so he was a giant, we call him giant. We don't have those stories in my family. I don't know many families who have that story. But in Aruba, particularly, I and, and Bonaire too, I know other people have told me these stories of, of giants within their families that have since passed. But nonetheless, they were they always thought of them as giants, which is quite interesting. So it sounds like they they obviously were seafaring. They knew how to build boats and they knew how to travel the world. They probably weren't, you know, like you said, they were provoked and they were cannibals. So they were eating other people. So they probably got pushed out of, you know, where humans were dense populations. The giants were not around. They ate too many. They ate too many. Sparse populations. (laughs) But I mean, do you think that they sailed? I mean, how do you think that they sailed to to all these islands and sort of just made that home? Like, well, we're, we're home. No one else is going to come here. No one's going to bother us, so we'll just stay here. 
Yeah, they had to have sailed because what, uh, the geological evidence shows that those islands were never connected to the mainland of South America. So though they were always islands. So there must have been, you know, they must have sailed. Now there is a, a rumor that, and I have not been able to verify this, that there is a, the, the Aruba Bonaire and, and Curacao have the largest cave system of any of the Caribbean islands. And uh, Bonaire, for example, has at least 400 caves and only a fraction of those have been explored. Many of them are underwater. And there is a story that it, there is a cave that goes from Aruba to Venezuela under the water. So could this have been, uh, maybe it was above water at one time? Could this have been a way that like a land bridge, but a, like a tunnel type system? That's something that's always intrigued me that could always possibly be true. There are stories on the island time you hear people, a Boy Scout, Scout troop went into the cave. And this is actually a true story. I saw the newspaper articles go into a cave. They never came out again. And, and you know, just bizarre things like this. So either they came through a some sort of land bridge that is now submerged or was always submerged, but is still like a tunnel, or they had to have come on boats. I can't imagine any other way. I mean, for Easter Island, another great example. I don't know how else anyone could have gotten there aside from, from boats. So I think for sure they had to have been seafaring. And if they were so advanced as to be able to create these these geoglyphs on the on the floor of the island that could only really be seen in the air and are almost mathematically perfect they were they were at a level that i'm sure you know we're, we've only begun to tap into and in our lifetimes never may never do so so i think yeah i think they had to have been seafaring it makes perfect sense and the fact that they didn't really go anywhere you know they kind of just stayed there i think it was also for protection it's easier to protect an island than it is to protect any large land masses. So I, I think that had something to do with it too. So although we don't see evidence of them actually traveling, I don't think there's any other explanation for how they got there. Mm. Heather, one of the things that you said, I think is really fascinating is the isosceles triangle situation. Another one of the, one of the things in golden age and, and also in the golden age of architecture was, is the golden triangle, right? Which is the, or the sublime. It's an isosceles triangle that has the golden ratio. And it, all of that speaks to high mathematics. It, have you been able to hypothesize any connection to these populations and potentially Atlantis? Because we often talk about these super advanced pre-flood civilizations that had all of these technologies. We talk about it on our show all the time, these technologies we can't figure out, how they how they made the pyramids, how they cut and levitated, these, and levitated potentially or moved these big blocks and how they, there's technology that's been lost. And I think a lot of time we think about our ancestors as being, you know, knuckle dragger dummies. And it's not that at all. So I just hear that. I think of like, man, there's another island that, that you know, of, of legend. We did an episode on Atlantis on the show, actually. But any connections there? Because just there seems to be some, at, at least some parallels. I yeah, it's so interesting. I get asked that all the time, and and I think yeah, I don't think there's any way that you could think otherwise. I mean, they just show up out of nowhere around the same time that these giants are showing up everywhere across the globe. Now there is a strange petroglyph panel in a very remote place of Aruba that. Could it's a it's the 
typical diagram that they say of Atlantis, you know, with the two, you know, circles with what would be canals and then the canal system connecting them. There is a petroglyph like that there. And that could be attached to a mapping of Atlantis. I know that there was a use of portals on the island. I had an archaeology oh. tell me that at one spot at the Io rock formation, there were eight portals. Some went out and some came in, mm. which, and some had two-way traffic, which is quite interesting. This was an archaeologist telling me this. This was <laughs> wild. Yeah. yeah, so, which is really good. He'll never go on record. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you know, uh, I think you would have to think of that, that being a connection because just of the how advanced they were the area of the world they were in the fact that they cropped up out of nowhere this strange petroglyph that could denote a map of atlantis and is seen globally this is a petroglyph that's written uh, you know many different places on planet earth so i think there could very well be a connection to atlantis definitely tell us more about the portals Yes, yeah, so I was staying at this house at um, Io Rock Formation. I was having all these horrible nightmares. And um, I, the archaeologist came over for dinner one night, and I was talking to him, and I said, yeah, I've been having these crazy nights every day. I'm with my sage and my crystal. Like, what is going on here? You know, it's like this. Is there, the energy is off. Are we on, like, a burial ground? Is this something? And he said, oh, no, it's because you're by the portals. And it was right by the sol- around the time of the summer solstice. So he said, no, because it's the, the portals that I things are coming in and out and they're terrorizing you so i said what do you mean he said no there are eight portals just in this one spot in io and he said we had a pastor come to the island and he could figure out from if he went to io rock formation where there are drawings he could look at the drawings and determine where the next portal was like where the one portal would take the person and so he told them he explained the whole map of these portals to the archaeologist uh, he wrote a book it's called i believe when rocks speak which is a popular title so that, which i soon found out after i tried to look for that book but it's <laughs> by this one particular man who's sadly and um, his name escapes me but he really wrote that these you know and researched and he went to where the portal the one portal drops you off and then he found drawings there and then he could determine where those portals would take you and he documents this all in his book and interestingly two summers ago i went hiking with a family on the one property where the portals kind of dump you out and these this family who lives there said oh we have seen strange things all the time in this area and there are two mega balanced stones in this area as well and they said yeah we'll see lights hovering above the stone like a little light they'll get brighter and brighter It's very interesting. So that's another aspect of these giants. Now, were they using the portals? I think for sure they were using the portals. So if they weren't coming over through the tunnels or the the boats, they could have always been using these portals. There's an extensive fault 
fault lines, there's a fault system under these islands as well. And I think faults and portals and balanced stones and heavy stones on top of one another, creating this electric energy. I think that all connects. And also, interestingly, the, the archaeologists noted that the giants did all of their shamanic work only on and with limestone, and which is interesting because limestone has crystalline structure. So the crystals could really hold this information, whatever they were doing. And all of their ceremonies occurred on this limestone. And interestingly, now the, the portals that I speak are, some are on in limestone and some are in diorite. So most of the megalithic formations are in diorite, which is one of the hardest stones in the earth. And found in ancient Egypt as well. So yeah, I think that those all these connections could make for reasons why there could be portals that were, were used. Now, I've got a message a couple of months ago from some local researcher in Aruba who said he was going to try to go through a portal um, at this one particular area. I said, yeah, I don't really think you should do that. But <laughs> yeah, I, I never heard, I literally, I've never heard from him again. Well, <laughs> oh, maybe, wow. he, maybe he went. There he yeah, goes. Godspeed. <laughs> well, you know, we, we hear that a lot on our, our our, our show which we're, we're trying to get uh, you know missing 411 Jeff Politis on the show he talks a lot about that stuff yes and he's very interesting there's because a lot of people with the boulders with the boulder uh, fields to these missing cases which mm-hmm. is quite interesting so yeah I think that's very that I think that is such a, an interesting connection that he came from a different angle and determined you know, as a, he was, I believe he was a former police officer mm, or, yeah. um, you know, has law enforcement background. So, you know, if he came from it from that angle and then me coming from it with a different angle, it's it's just intriguing that, again, it's these stones have something to do with this these pa- power grid in a sense. Well, what do you think about, you know, uh, the people have sent us a lot of photos over the years and someone said there was like this this chain of pyramids near Cuba. And this is near the, you know, the Bermuda Triangle. And do you think if they're sailing, these boats are sailing over the top of these pyramids or something under the ground, they could be going through some of these portals? Absolutely. Yes. And I think they also, if you're using equipment or something like this, it could, you know, malfunction equipment. I know um, right an hour from my home here in New York, we have megalithic stone chambers. They're at least 2000 years old, if not older. Some say they were done by the native population. Maybe they were, maybe some of them were, but although when the um, Europeans came here, the Dutch in particular, and they spoke to the native populations here, they said, no, no, these were here before us. And I've gone there to take photos and document with fully charged uh, camcorders, cameras, cell phones, everything. And I'll walk right by them and everything drains, like literally all of my equipment just drains. And then once I leave the area, then everything's right back up again. So there's definitely some sort of energy force, I think, that's dealing with these stones. And particularly if you're coordinating it with a fault line, I think that that makes it even more powerful because fault lines are very intriguing. And in, in, I have a friend um, out in Phoenix, Arizona. He's tracked all these petroglyphs and correlated them to fault lines. 
And then there have been these strange sightings of lights and such coming out of these fault lines before and after the equinox, before and after solstices, etc. So I think that there is definitely some sort of connection that uh, that could cause interference in some way or or magnify the energy of the place, particularly during certain celestial events such as supermoons, equinoxes, you know, and solstices the midpoints and i think that 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 coordination with the sun also could trigger some of these Man. because remember when the archaeologist told me about the portals at the one site he's and it was right before right around the equinox and that's why he said oh they're probably opening now you know right because it's usually the days before and the days after of the the equinox or the solstice not necessarily on that day itself what, what is the oral tradition on on sort of the ritual ritualistic practices of the giant tribes and, and maybe their sort of religious or was it was it the occult were their ancestor worship because you're talking about the shamanic rituals i started thinking about some of the things places i've been like maybe think of sedona honestly where there's all this quartz and quartzite and they talk about how ufos power up on the courts and i mean and it can get out there and our show goes there so I'm not saying it's not that isn't what happens, but I'm curious because you said you went to this place and then you started having these crazy, you know, nightmares. I'm just curious, like what kind of stuff they were sort of practices they did. And I know in the beginning you talked a bit about how they the divine female and but were they, you know, were they doing human sacrifices? Was this a, you know, was it an ancestor worship? Were they you know, what, what sort of or do you know what sort of rituals and stuff did, do you think these, these tribes of giants were, were in, in practicing? Yeah, great question. Um, well, from the burials, we can tell that it was matriarchal because the most prominent and decorated graves with the most intricate grave sites, as well as the most abundant grave gifts occur with single females. Mm. So, uh, for example, in this one grave site called Malmuk, there are at least 75 burials that have been excavated, but there are most likely still more in the ground. All of them were Actually, they were buried in the form of isosceles triangles with the giants on either ends of the, with the angles and along the lines were average statured um, humans. And this occurs about seven times within the graveyard. And then in the center of the graveyard is a female. And this one single female, she also happens to be the oldest in the, in the entire cemetery in her late 40s and um, she had a hunchback which is quite interesting so i think that you know definitely there was this this belief that the female was divine that the females were the shaman um and definitely maybe running the show also they would take stones that were shaped like they were pregnant and work them more so that they really were prominent sometimes put even put a belly button and around these stones were all cupules, which are scoop marks in the stone. What they were doing with these scoop marks, I don't know. Gathering water, creating something with, sometimes they would put certain things in these stones. And when the moon was at a certain level, it would activate the stones or the water within the cupules. So we have very little evidence of what they were doing. They were definitely also doing secondary burials in that after the person, particularly the giants, had died, they were burying the giants, then digging their bones back up and using locally sourced manganese to paint the elongated portions of their skulls red. Mm. And this was repeated over and over again. 
there were, this happened in in some of the South American cultures as well. There, where they would the Red Lady, I one I can remember for for sure, where they painted they they interred the dead, and then they then they painted their skeletons, skulls, and it's veneration. We talked a little bit about Derek to Derek Gilbert about this, where it's just maybe the most ancient of all practices. Well, I was just thinking about the reproduction part of the story because you know we talk about the serpent mounds that they made here in you know, all over the world, actually, these serpent mounds, they have the egg in the mouth of the serpent and sort of this celebration of maybe, you know, the birth and the female. The imagery is something that keep continues to come up on our show as we learn more and more. There is this connection all over the world. And you said something earlier, they were building these these structures that you could see from, from up high. And you said there was lights over some of these megalithic sp- spots. Are there any UFO activity or anything like that associated with the giants? Because obviously, you know, we see them making these uh, structures on the side of mountains in Peru, in the UK, and you're saying here in, in the Caribbean. So someone's looking down and someone's looking up and they're either they're flying up there and taking a look at their work or what are they doing, you know? Exactly. I mean, so I've seen many UFOs there. I mean, during the day, at night. I'm with people. I was with my, my daughter was born in Aruba. So her grandfather was with me one day. I said, what the heck is that? So his face and, you know, he's, he's, he has brown skin. His face turned white. He said, I don't know what that is. It's so crazy. These the UFOs I've seen on that island are just bizarre. People, a bunch of people see it. It's not just one person. It's like, a, a, you know, some people take photos of them. So, yeah, there is a lot of documentation locally of people seeing these UFOs. And also, just to touch on, again, with you bringing up about the egg. So, there is a stone and it's a huge monolith of limestone. And in the center of it is a hole. It was fairly large. And so it's called the mother stone because it's believed it's where the giants were birthed. So from this hole that they can, they call it the navel of the, of the earth. So to the ancient giants, this was the navel. And from that navel was an umbilical cord that connects to the mother, the mother being in the center of the earth. And so that through this umbilical cord is where the giants were said to have been birthed, which is quite intriguing. And to this day, you will see people climb up to this little navel. It's not little. It's enough that a, a, an adult human could go in it in the fetal position. You can only be in the fetal position. And if you have any problems or any worries or any illness, it's said if you go into this navel, you'll be cured it's also interesting to note that animals go there to die and it's believe and when we were there we found all these bones scattered throughout of various animals some of which we didn't even know what the animals were and it's believed that they do that so they get back to their source quicker mm. which is quite interesting so that's and so i actually uh, on um, and I've been to Easter Island, so I've seen the navel of the earth there and the sphere, which is a, a stone sphere, which is just so bizarre. And if you draw a line from Bonaire to Easter Island, I mean, it, it, there's a straight you know, line that goes directly to both of those navels. I don't know if there's a connection, but it is quite interesting to to have these two places saying and calling them the navels mm. of the world. And it makes you wonder, you know, 
uh, I mean, what does it all mean? I believe there are other navels of the world, but I've only seen those two. I was looking at Google Maps of Easter Island yesterday, actually, and it looks like there's these many, they almost look like volcanoes or mounds on the island themselves from the air. Are they replicating? Are those actual volcanoes or are they, because they don't look big enough to be a volcano. They're scattered all around the island. And then also notice on Google Maps, if you follow, it looks like there's a trail all the way up to Peru, right into Cusco. And it looks like there was like an ancient roadway that that just goes from Easter Island all the way up to Peru. And then we talk about the megaliths in Peru that are some of the best in the world. It, It just... It seems like there was these ancient highways. Maybe there was just less water, and the, and they were going to and from. But what are those? What are those mounds on Easter Island? What do you think those are? Yeah, I have, uh, it's so funny you mentioned that. I have photos of them on my uh, on my Facebook page. They're very weird. Uh, they're found on the north coast, which is only accessible via horse or by foot. So it's a long hike. We did the hike. It was like almost 20 miles. There's no shade. It's rough hike. But you start coming across these things. They're so strange. And that's what they are. They're almost built like little mini volcanoes. You're absolutely correct. And they have a little tiny, tiny opening at the base. It's so hard to get in. I don't even know how you would get in them. I tried to get in, but it's so skinny and then it turns. It's really hard. And then I was freaking out. I'm like, what if I get stuck in here? I'm on Easter Island. I'm on the yeah. hike. <laughs> I got my friends here. Uh, yeah, so they're very weird. Now, the theory is that they were used to uh, map or mark uh, Pleiades. The Europeans, when they came, they said, oh, they were to see the turtles out in the water, the sea turtles. <laughs> Some of these are so far inland, I don't know how you could see a turtle from there. And they're not that tall. I mean, they're tall, but they're not that tall. Yeah. I don't know. If you see them, the energy is off. We actually um, ate lunch next to one of them. And and next to it is one of the largest moai on the island that fell. It never made it to its ahu. And we ate lunch there and the energy is strange. It's almost like the surrounding area is just like changed the colors are different it's very odd i've had this happen um also at the megalithic chambers here in new york when you take photos they look different than the photo your other photos of the same area so i um, it's it's still the jury is out what they are but they are there's no mortar there's all these rocks almost the same size going up totally you know symmetrical and very strange with this little door that seems useless yeah, and, and then a little opening at the top. It's they're very, very strange. To be a lookout tower just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But they could be, and it could be a map of some sort, you know, but some of them were destroyed. Some of them, the stones were repurposed by the local populations. So sadly, they're not all there, but to map them would be amazing. But that's a great observation. It's very strange. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to see if there was, you know, Google always blurs out a lot of stuff oh know. it's so annoying speaking of speaking of blurry blurry creatures you know they're oh a clouds cloud cover i hate the cloud cover how could you get cloud cover right. it makes me crazy like what is under here they're they're just trying to keep you know a bunch of people like us who are just so curious to figure out what happened and what do we don't know do you think a lot of this is underwater because it seems like that you know a lot of these megaliths are underwater and maybe they you know, later dynasties kind of moved to the islands, but it sounds it, it seems like they settled in and around these areas, and then later on they had to 
kind of go to the islands themselves because a lot of stuff's underwater and it just I'm trying to figure out like you know there there could have been so much more that's just underwater now we don't even know we can't even begin to fathom I agree. Well, you know, I am, I follow these lionfish hunters on uh, YouTube. So the lionfish is an invasive species and it's really destroying the rest of the indigenous species of fish and uh, consequently then the coral reefs. So <clears throat> these lionfish hunters go down, they spear them by hand. And now there's this thriving market of lionfish jewelry, lionfish sandwiches. And I haven't tried it yet. Everyone says it's <laughs> But I don't know. I don't like lionfish. I think they're just it's very strange looking and I'm, I'm not going to d- jump into that yet. But on the videos where they were filming and hunting these lionfish, there were all these megalithic remains similar to the ones that are on the land of Aruba. And you could see balanced stones were there. You could see these that could have been structures at one time that were now toppled. And because of the seismic activity on the islands and the fact that those islands were all three were one at one point, and these mega tsunamis not only caused these three islands to occur, but also could have come so far inland that they were toppling some of these stones. And then I think the sea level rose and 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 covered a lot of these megalithic remains. There was a skeleton found a couple of years back. It was thought to be modern, but it was actually an elongated skull. So it was of one of the giants. I think that's still in its same position. Hopefully, I hope mm. no one took it, but it was all over the news. So mm. probably gone. It's probably gone, right? Exactly. Never to be seen again. So, um, yes, I think that's a great point. Even in on Easter Island, where the basalt moai were made, that basalt where they made, the, the, they retrieved the basalt to make those moai, which are thought to be the oldest moai um, on the island. One of them is actually in the Museum of Natural History. Another one is at the British Museum. They were taken. That basalt where they were pulling from, I saw it on my hike, and it's totally underwater now. So, so at that time, they would have been having access to it, but they at this time, there was no way they would have been probably known there was basalt there. So yeah, I think a lot of the stories of these places is underwater. And I think that, you know, the amount of effort it would require to examine this is so great. And, and particularly in Aruba, the water is, it's a very rough area. These these divers are, are so brave to go because it's um, it's a very dangerous area. But if we could do something to see, you know, I spoke to the archaeologist there and he said, you know, they they basically are trying to get money together to just do like children's programs. You know, it would be such an immense undertaking. But I hope someday that does get explored because that is what something that I have brought up several times that there could the rest of the story is probably underwater. Hmm. And do you think all these islands were inhabited by giants in that area at some point? Mm, no, I don't. Um, there's no other evidence of giants in any of the Caribbean islands except Cuba. Um, so there appears to be to have been two breakaway civilizations from this main civilization in Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao. And one of them is in Cuba, and the other one is in a remote part of Colombia. And mm-hmm. so that was they found that the burials were the same, how they would um, color the skulls, how they set them up in isosceles triangles, and then anatomically, the skeletons were quite identical, even going down to the skull elongation 
location. And it was determined that, and there were a couple of, there are a couple of archaeological papers written about this connection between these caves in Cuba, where these remains were found, these burials, and this remote part of Colombia. And these three islands have all been connected through the civilization. So perhaps this breakaway groups went to explore and and that's what happened. And that's why I think the Atlantis connection could be something to think about because Cuba is thought to be a part, you know, that on the ground around the, under the water around there is thought to be remains of Atlantis. And if this group was, you know, connected to Cuba in some way, that is something more to explore. Mm. I want to say we did an episode, Luke. I'm trying to remember there was some connection between Atlantis and the Mayan, the giants that interbred with them, they went from Atlantis to to South America, right? Is, right. Is that, yeah, is we talked about. I'm trying to remember what the context of that was, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, we were, we've heard stories of. I think we did a couple of videos about in Florida, in South Florida, there were giants there, and they were shooting at some of the early explorers, and we documented some cases, and one of them was like a really. The thing that stuck out was he said they were shooting arrows that were going through six inch oak trees. That they were so powerful. I mean, if you think about it, that's the size of a leg a thigh and there's these arrows are just going right through it. So some of these guys didn't even get off the boat. They were just getting shot at. So, um, and there that, are mountains in, in Florida, you know, there are mountains as well. So I think t- there's one or two still intact and turtle mounds is one. Yeah. So yeah, wherever the, there are mounds, there are stories of giants, which is quite interesting. And you mentioned the Maya, you know, there, um, there are documented Mayan petroglyphs in Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao. Mm. As a matter of fact, in one cave system um, in Bonaire, it's believed that the entire wall is a star map that was done by the Maya to tell about when they came. And it, interestingly, it was, I, I can't remember the exact year, but it was the exact time of the supernova, which is also documented in Chaco Canyon and uh, could possibly be documented in Aruba. So if this were the mine that I think they were kind of indicating that that's when they were there. So that's when they would witness it. Also in Aruba, there are some Mayan drawings that are proto-Mayan, so very, very old. So even older than that time. There, are, I mean, there are Mayan petroglyphs in Georgia and in Florida. So mm-hmm. I think the Maya were some of the most prolific people on earth because of the archaeological um, hand tying that occurs, there's no further research that can be done. For example, in the, from the University of Florida, an archaeologist came down to Bonaire and we're studying, he was studying the drawings in this Bonaire cave and he said, there's no question this is proto-Mayan writing. And in the Miami Herald, I have the um, article, he wrote all about it and documented it. And it was a couple of pages with these pictures. And then all of a sudden he went back to the university and they said you can't say that you're gonna lose your job and he had to offer up an apology It's just so bizarre and and it's so sad that these experts, quote unquote, are always, you know, have their hands tied and really tied, 
tied to a narrative that they can't really uh, release from uh, because of their their circles that they're in. It's strange, but because it really it stunts the the knowledge of all humans on earth when you have these experts who can't really talk about what uh, what is out there for fear of retribution in some way most like mostly to their credibility yes. I love it. Yeah. So what would i say i say that 97 percent of scientists uh believe the, the findings of their donors and the other three percent are censored <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point yeah I mean, it's it, it's that is a good seems point. to be pretty accurate the only the the only other island I'm thinking about, um, Heather, is you know we've talked a little bit about Catalina Island and there's supposedly some buried megaliths off the coast of California, and that's where I went to college, so I was in that area a lot, and I actually went to Catalina Island on my senior trip, and rode my rode the bikes around that place. But what, oh, what about what about the mate. oh yeah that was when I didn't realize I was on giant giant land, but it, supposedly there's some you know we brought on who was it. Sky ships over cashiers. Mary, Mary, Mary Joyce. Joyce yeah. she, she was trying to sense, prove that there were megaliths underwater off the coast of California. And I mean, big ones that look like, I mean, they, they look massive and some really big structures. And then obviously there was a, there was a giant museum on the Island of till like the sixties. I want to say Catalina somewhere in there. And then it just, they just disappear. You know? All they do is make salad dressing now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, that that archaeologist that um, discovered a lot of those giant skeletal remains, he was selling them. And, and he had the key at in this museum, he was actually selling all these skeletal remains. I mean, completely unscrupulous. And and a lot of those things are have gone into these private collections and never to be seen again. It's it's such a shame. But yeah, I you know, I've been to Catalina, but it was before I ever was delving into this research yeah, um, about any of this. And I'd love to go back. But you know, I don't think there's much more remaining. I know Jim Vieira, who also mm. Studies the giants. He's been there, and uh, he really couldn't find anything either. But that civilization of giants in Catalina and Lovelock Cave in Nirvana seem to be the most famous ones that people hear about the most. And then followed, I think, by the mounds, the burial mounds. I mean, if you go to Grave Creek Mound in West Virginia, which is said to be the tallest remaining mound in the United States, in the museum there, which is a very good museum. They talk about, oh, there was a, there were these bones found, but they weren't really giant bones. I mean, they have a whole little exhibit about t- saying that they weren't giants in the in the mounds, which leads me to think that there were giants. Because why would you go through all this work to debunk all these newspaper articles, artifacts that were found? And it's actually an intriguing part of the museum. Yeah, and Catalina, I, sadly, I don't think there's any more. Unless they're still in the ground, but that archaeologist, he kept digging, and there's a photo of him standing there in front of all these giant bones, and he's selling them. I mean, it's just, he amassed so much. He, I mean, it was so unethical what he did. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we'll ever find them, or unless someone comes forward, but yeah. you know, you so- have to also hope that they preserve the bones well. I, I want to say someone that listens to our show emailed us that their grandma went to the museum oh. and would tell him stories about that, but she passed away. Otherwise I would have been like, we got to have her on the show. We got to talk about, it. yeah, we got to get grandma on the show, but she went to the museum and saw the giant, all the giant bones on display and stuff. 
and told him about it. And I thought that was really cool. It was really interesting. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, on, on the recap of this episode, it sounds like they're they're in the Caribbean. They're in Cuba. They're in Peru. They're in Georgia. They're in Florida. They're building mounds all over America. They're in Nevada and Lovelock Caves. They're in Costa California and the Catalina Islands. There, these, there must have been just so many different, like I guess, breeds of giants. I don't even know what you would say. Tribes. Some of them had elongated skulls. Some of them had alien-looking heads. And are they? You think that they, you know, differentiate themselves by physical anomalies, and then they just kind of, just like I don't know, like species of animals almost, like just. I don't know how else to think about it. Uh, that's a very interesting point, you know, because Brian Forrester has a belief that the first round of giants were, with the uh, elongated skulls were the Paracas skulls, where the skulls were like this cone. And then after this this next generation that came about were the giants that I speak about in the Caribbean that have these the skull elongation that goes up and then back. So that that's a different type of elongation. It's, it's considered, in his opinion, to be the second generation of giants, um, the oldest ones being or the, the Paracas um, people. So I don't know. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up. Is it just that where the, I mean, they should have been contemporaneous, the Paracas people and the people of the uh, of Aruba, Bonaire and Curacao would have been around at about the same time. So I'm not sure. That's a that's a very good point. I'm I'm really not sure, but it would make sense. Although, as I said, you know, in Aruba, we find that dwarfism, hunchbacks, etc., were glorified. These people were exemplified. They were given elite burials. I just read actually a whole academic paper on how that was seen in other cultures as well. That if you had some sort of deformity, that was considered considered some a blessing and you were considered like godlike and you were held in a higher regard so um, i would think that if someone came along that had a different skull elongation that 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 would be the case but i don't know maybe maybe they purposely wouldn't let those people interact because they didn't want anyone to get too much power or yeah yeah well obsession with bloodlines too you know we hear about that just with royals i mean they they're obsessed with their bloodlines so if they had some sort of physical anomaly that was superior to somebody else you'd think they would want to keep that and you know we talk a lot about how many tribes of giants there were in the bible for example there was uh, over 25 some some odd tribes i mean what separates them what's the difference between the canaanites the amorites the zamzuman what is the difference i mean if they're giants they're maybe some of them look more human well, maybe, maybe some, some like maybe some like the beach and some like the Ohio Valley. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? And then the, then and all the ones with the problems went to the island of misfit toys, right? I but think you, I don't know. Maybe someone made a, a really good Reuben sandwich. I would say <laughs> yeah, the, the ones in Cuba they were making yeah. sandwiches and, and little and little coffees. <laughs> Cuban coffee. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you, Heather. We don't know. I mean, we just uh, we're always trying to find more clues. What and that was kind of one of my last questions for you. Like, what are I mean, obviously in the the field of giantology, I guess we could say. What are some of the things that you've discovered that you feel like is left out of the the narrative? What are some of the things that you're like that you feel like you've you see that other people don't see or you've discovered that other people just haven't put their mind around? Because we're always trying to find more clues about the blurry creatures of ancient history. 
Yeah, well, for sure, you know, the isosceles triangle um, connection is very interesting. I think there might be a connection to one of the original 11 named constellations that actually the Phoenicians named 11 constellations. One of them is called Triangularum. That is an isosceles triangle that hugs the um, north, uh, uh, northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere around the equator around this time of year. So if you're at the equator, which Aruba is, you can see triangularum for about an hour or so right above the horizon at about 9 p.m. and then it's gone. So I often think, is there a connection between triangularum? Are they trying to say, because there are galaxies there, maybe they're from there. There's maybe always that connection. Because I think the isosceles triangle is very, it's very interesting. And equilateral triangles, isosceles triangles are are very common theme across the the globe in these ancient cultures. So that's something I, you know, I've discovered on my own, as well as these balance stones, following these very, you know, deliberate lines intersecting the island. And also the fact that it was matriarchal. And this is something we do see in in ancient cultures, particularly uh, around this time. And so, yeah, those are the, the biggest takeaways. I'm actually, I'm going to Aruba in a couple of days and I'll be moving there permanently in November because I'm going to help the this foundation uh, set up a new museum And in the museum, there's going to be an ancient history section, and I'm going to help set up that part. And we are going to be including the giants into the story. So I'm very excited to do that. And and that'll be a major contribution, I think, of my work to the island. You know, Aruba has given me so much. It's given me my daughter. So I really want to give back to those islands. And my research is one thing, but I really want, you know, everyone to see it. And I want to be able to share it on, on that type of a level. So I was quite honored to be invited to help assist in that. So that'll be my big project moving forward. And I will begin working more when I get to Aruba to repatriate the skulls, the two giant skulls, which were found and they were found by a, a Dutchman who uncovered them after hearing about the islands being called the Islands of the Giants. He got them in 1970. He built a museum for them in Curacao, put them in the museum. There are newspaper articles written up until the 1980s of these mm. of these bones. And then, of course, when I called, the, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have to finish the story. When I called the museum and asked, where are the skulls? Again, the skulls are missing. They are believed to be in the Netherlands. So I'm going to be working with the governments um, to try to get the skulls back to Aruba. So those are the main things that I'm, I'm pushing for. I hope, you know, at least if one of them works out, such as the museum, that'll be great. And if I can do both, get the skulls in the museum, that would be even better. Wow. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to, one of these days, I mean, we're starting to make some, get some ideas for some video stuff. We'd love to come down there and yeah, do Aruba. Some, yeah. Bring our families. <laughs> Let's go. Trip out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Come look me up, please. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'll take you around. That would be sure. awesome. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Nate wants to go in a portal, so I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't either. (laughs) If I go through the portal, it's just gonna be a bunch of little people and me, and then I'm gonna be stuck. Then you'll be the king. You'll rule over all the little people. That's not bad. It's not a bad setup. No, I I guess it wouldn't be that bad. No, it wouldn't be. We love it, Heather. Thank you for uh, coming on our show and 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 adding a lot to the uh, the stuff we've already talked about. Like we've had, you know, Brian Forrester on and guys like Fritz Zimmerman. But this is cool. This is there's a lot of new 
uh, clues and new things we've learned on this show. And it just makes me wonder that like ancient history, I mean, whatever we've been taught is just, uh, it's sad, honestly. How can people uh, get a hold of you or follow you or... Oh, thank um, you for asking. Yes, I'm work, still working on my website. I'm going to try to complete that down in Aruba. But um, I'm, I'm very active on social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Heather L. Arnold uh, is the same across all of the social media. And um, eventually, I'm going to have my website up. So that'll be easier to purchase my book. And um, and then I'm, I'm on YouTube a lot. You can look up my videos there. I've done a lot of interviews. And I'll be speaking at an anthropology conference in London in October, October 29th. So with so many great people such as Gary Wayne, Hugh Newman, Maria Wheatley, um, names probably most people know. So it's a hybrid event. So I'm going to be there in person, but you can also get tickets and watch it online. I've done, this will be my third one and it's so intriguing. Um, I learned, I learned so much from the conference and it's all about the giants so it's people coming to the concept of the giants from all different angles religious supernatural spiritual um, archaeological so i'll be there if anyone wants to meet me in person and yes and i'll be doing some short videos while i'm in aruba for this trip some really um, quick videos so i'll be posting them as well and i hope everyone watches it it will be a, a mix of showing some of the megalithic sites and some of the petroglyph sites as well as teaching you a little bit about the aruban culture awesome. i love it yeah. yeah, Gary, Gary Wayne and Hugh. Those are those are uh, friends of the show. We've had we've had yeah, both we've had of them on. on Gary a few times. Actually, we're having Hugh on sort of in the near future. Talk about Kaharan Tepe, the uh, sister city to, he, that he's he's been working on some that's of that stuff. Amazing. So, so, so great, great to have you on, Heather. Thanks so much for joining us. And yeah. we haven't talked about this part of the world. And I mean, the Caribbean is not not the first place I think that people think of when you talk about about giants of the golden age in the ancient world and. And yet here we are, yet, yet another corner of the earth with, with giants and a cover-up. Would you believe it, huh? I know, right? <laughs> I, it's, it's endless. <laughs> yeah, we've heard it over and over again, and people think, yeah, no, they don't do it. I mean, if it's in the Smithsonian and the Lovelock Cave Museum, now we got the... Uh, that story is crazy. What they did to that woman threatening her funding, if she put out the skulls. At the Lovelock Museum, it's that's a crazy story, and that's recent. That's very recent. I know, too. I know. They were on display not too long ago. Sad. It's just a theme all over the place. But we appreciate you, and then our listeners go out there follow follow you on social media. And if you find anything blurry and you want to come back on, send us a message. We will. We're always down to talk about all the weird stuff, seeing UFOs or whatever it is. Well, I appreciate your open-mindedness and your great, great questions. Some of the questions you asked, I've never been asked before. So I really appreciate it. And I like your enthusiasm. Awesome. Thanks. It's, it's intoxicating. So thank you. I appreciate cool. it. Oh, thank Nate you. and I always joke we're just a couple of dummies that ask questions. And so <laughs> I think after 110 episodes, sometimes wow. we're, we're, we're uh, dumb questions. We're just keep, we're just keep on, we keep on going, Heather. Excellent hey. question. I appreciate that. Yeah, we try. There's so many, you know, people trying to build these channels and stuff. I think we just try to have fun, and we edit them, and and we try to just get more. And we love the '80s, so we make it. We make an '80s thing. So. Oh yeah, we do. Uh, yes, I noticed that. I like that too. I love the '80s too. So yeah, yeah. brings me back when I see some of your oh, yeah. um, the work to promote your upcoming shows. It's nice. I like Thanks. it. Very creative. Thank you. Yeah.
Yep. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, look forward to seeing what 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 comes for you in, in the future. And good luck in Aruba and with the museum. And hopefully we'll have we'll have you back to talk about some some findings. And, and some, yeah. I would love it. If you ever have to portals. take a, a business trip, Luke, we'll have to we'll yeah. have to go to the Caribbean. <laughs> film <laughs> film some YouTube First, stuff. Like the number one on the list right now. Yeah. Great. Yep. Right. Thanks, Heather. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank Bye, you Heather. so much. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you like uh, what we heard today. Is some some the matriarchal stuff. I didn't, I hadn't really heard about that, but we we see the, the signs of it, and it's fun. I like talking about the giants. It's cool. Every time I feel like it's we're going down one path, we just take the car, and there's more clues and more weird stuff somewhere else. So I don't know. Giants and islands, man. What is not it? Taking, not taking a car there, Nate. Yeah, just drinking mai tais all day long on the beach. Right. Getting no sunburned. Shoes, no shoes, no shirt, no problem. Just getting sunburned. That's one, that's, a, that's a heck of a place to study giants. Let me tell you. I know, terrible, <laughs> terrible. We gotta go. We gotta get there. That would be yeah, fun. Yeah. Once we grow our YouTube, we can maybe get some videos going, and we can we can, we can just write it all off. Speaking of, uh, go ahead and subscribe to YouTube. Go ahead and head over. Nate's, Nate's been uploading a bunch of content there. We have we have big plans for the for the platform. Um, including some super chats and doing some more video-based media. So take a look. Shockingly, a lot of people actually listen to their podcasts on YouTube. So if you're one of those people, thank you for going over there and listening. And go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And, and yeah, we're just Looking grateful, for our, grateful for our members, Nate, everybody that's supporting the show. It's humbling. So we are, we are happy to be doing this. And keep on searching, <laughs> asking questions, looking for the truth, right? Yeah, and it's always good. Always good to get a little a compliment at the end too. You know, when you're we're plowing away, and some people like to be mean to us on social media, but it's always cool when you interview a guest. I just, I just black out the whole time, so <laughs> I hope it turns out okay. Thanks for uh, like Luke said. Go go follow us on YouTube. Give us a subscribe. We'll be doing more stuff there. Roll that. Time.